Thank you, Dr. Adamo. I look forward to the time when we can sit and have fellowship together and pray together and strategize together. Northland, I love this. I love looking on this screen and seeing you. I, 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 I want to tell you, I, Shara, I saw you with Lil, I think it was Jacob. I want to tell you, Gerald's fine. He's right here. JT, I saw you. Your sister is fine. She's right here. Dennis, I saw you. Thank you for the tie. You gave me this tie. Thank you. Mel Wyma, I saw you, a career missionary who has done so much for the Lord in South Africa. I saw so many of you, and I'm worshiping with you this morning. That thrills my heart. And kids, I'll get to you in just a second. But I saw, I saw you there doing no motions. This is wonderful. Now, if you have your scriptures, if you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let me read now, starting with the first verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty. Listen to the combination of those words. Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty. What a strange combination. Listen. Overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability. Now that's quite the point of all God does. It's way beyond our ability. And so I want you to get this point. And beyond their ability, that's, that means it's God's ability. Beyond their ability, um, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in support of the saints. Now let me stop right there and tell you what's going on in the scripture. Here, Paul is addressing the church at Corinth but he is stimulating them to love and good deeds, that's in Hebrews 10.24, by bringing up the example of the churches in Macedonia. Many of these churches, you would recognize their name, the church of Philippi, the church at Thessalonica. They had gone through a horribly rough time. They were having a very difficult run of it. And they were not only exhausted from warfare, these churches were not only exhausted from warfare, but they were impoverished from warfare. But Paul said, you know what? A very strange thing is taking place here. And the strange thing is, they are all that more eager to give. And so, church at Corinth, I want you as a church to be stimulated by these other churches that I'm putting you in contact with. Now, what they're giving to you is the poor of another church. The church at Jerusalem, the mother church. That Jerusalem always stands for our home, our heavenly home, the central city that we will be in someday. Now, Paul could have gone probably to some wealthy Christians, and he could have said, you know what, I know you have enough money to take care of the poor at Jerusalem. But he didn't do that. His strategy was rather to combine churches, to combine different Christian families for ministry together. 
Now, why was that his strategy? First of all, for the good of the churches. No church is strong alone. Not for very long. Kids, I saw you in junior church. I saw Brittany, I saw you there. Jake, I saw you there. I saw some of the rest of you kids that I know. I see Naomi still there and Philip. Now, when you get into Millwee, like those Millwee middle school kids that are sitting on the front row, you will start to take courses in science. And one of those courses will be how plants reproduce themselves. There are two ways that plants can reproduce themselves. One is to be pollinated from themselves. And another is to be pollinated from another plant. Now, if you're pollinated from yourself, you will reproduce. But there's a problem. By the way, the special term, my wife who teaches biology taught me this, that term is called selfing. You can reproduce, but your offspring and their offspring will simply reproduce your own weaknesses. And so as the offspring go on, you get weaker and weaker. But if you are cross-pollinated, if you are pollinated from another plant, then you do not reproduce your own weaknesses over generations. As a matter of fact, you are much sturdier. Paul knew that in plants. Well, I'm not sure he knew that in plants. He knew that in churches. And you know what? We ought to know that in churches. The reason that we're here is to partner with other Christian families, some of them churches, some of them movements, some of them um, parachurch ministries, because we can't do well enough simply on our own. We can't be strong enough. We can't be mature enough. The more you mature you are, the more you, you know you need others. We can do a youth ministry at Northland, and it can go on for generations. But we won't have half the youth ministry that we will have if we combine with Jos Holshausen, who has a wonderful Youth for Christ ministry over here, and somehow do this thing together. He'll be stronger for it. We'll be stronger for it. Our church can, is certainly a huge church. I mean, we have 15,000 people on the rolls. We could, we could go on our own merry way all we wanted to because we have enough strength within ourselves to do that. But that's not the best way. The only way that our church is going to get stronger, the only way our church is going to be more like God wants it to be, is to combine and partner with some other churches. One of the things that I've been doing since I've been over here is just meeting some other pastors. And, I, and I'm just kind of looking to see who God would give us a relationship with. One of those pastors, I want to come up right now, Pastor Stephen Now, I preached in his church this morning. I also preached at a Dutch Reformed church this morning. I love that. My favorite theologian is Abraham Kuyper. So I just love that. Um, but, I, but I preached in Pastor Stephen's church this morning. And I want him to come to this microphone over here. And I just want him to give a word to you. Tell you a little bit about the church in Africa. And, and, then, and, and, and then just maybe tell you maybe how they can partner with some other churches in, in, in kind of what he's doing, what he's looking for. Joel, I hope you are not expecting me to talk the truth. Good morning, guys there at Northland. Gus and his wife, Annabelle. I, Janaba, I see you there in the front row. Greetings from Namibia, from Africa. When we see the church in Namibia, it is well known that we are 
a 93% Christian country. But don't be fooled by that statistic. Because when we look at the biblical description of what a Christian should be, you will not find many of them with us. There are a lot of churches, a lot of churches that are doing neat things, is running excellent programs. But the problem is we are not taking hands and do a thing for the Lord. And we just want to thank you guys for, for making the first step, for giving the first step in starting a relationship with you guys. I also believe that in churches in Namibia, the focus are so often on the unreached people. We often pray about the 1040 window countries, but there are people sitting in the church next to us that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And we need to start to evangelize our neighbors sitting next to us. And I believe if the church of Jesus Christ can just come together, we will really make a difference for the Lord. We need to pray very much for the unity of the church. I would also like to thank Northland for making this thing uh, happen, this concurrent worship service. It must have cost you lots of dollars. But I want to tell you this morning that there are things that money can't, cannot buy. Things like having a relationship with one another. Things like just holding hands and praying together. Things like reaching out to one another and see one another coming somewhere in life. I believe that you need us as much as we need you. And it is the prayer of our heart from Namibia that, that this will be a beginning of a lasting relationship. There were times where, when all the missionaries came from outside to Namibia. But I believe it's a time, the time has come for us from Africa to send out missionaries to you guys there. So I just hope that, that this relationship will really be nourished. And we are looking forward in having another concurrent worship service in due time. As I've said, there are things that money can't buy. And we, just, we, just, we are just thrilled with the idea that we can see you guys and know that we are, we are so many miles apart from one another. But there are one person that is really binding us, and his name is Jesus. And I want to tell you, there's Christians over in Africa, and we are praying for you. And we would ask you, you guys to pray for us. We are taking good care of your pastor and his team. We have fed them a lot of monkeys, but I can assure you that they will return safely. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> Tell you what, if they'd been feeding me monkeys, I'd have been back there by now. I want to, you know, we have the same problems, but we can't solve them by ourselves. Somehow, in coming together, we are going to be stimulated toward love and good deeds. Paul said this, churches, you got to be together in ministry. I want you together in ministry. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care how rich you are. I want you together in ministry. It's the secret to the kingdom. And he wants us together in ministry. Northland, there are so many, so many ways we can help. I, teach at the, I taught at the seminary over here. I'm going to teach again tomorrow. And, I, and there is such a need for this seminary here. You know, in, in one denomination... And, and, and Lynn Perez, I think I saw you over there, and, and I, want, I want reform somehow to, to, to get in this mix. But, but uh, I, 
in one denomination over here in Uganda, there are a thousand congregations and eight trained pastors. They need the, the, the trained pastors. And we can do the train. We can do that. And I, and I tell you, we can, we can do our own stuff all day long. But it won't be as maturing. You know, the, you know how you can mark maturity? You can mark it this way in an individual and in a church. When an individual or a church knows they need other people to accomplish the task God has given them. They can't do it alone. That's the mark of maturity. When we have an opportunity like we have working with Yos, I mean, this guy is, is just, he's got his hand on the pulse of ministry here. And when we, I mean, we could, do, we could do, Vernon, you could do youth programs all day long. Vernon and Yost are old time friends and buddies. And, and we could do the Northland youth thing. But do you know that here's a man who has a national, a continental vision, a continental vision. For you, you know that half of the population in Namibia is under 15. And, and if we can partner with him, think of the good for the kingdom of God. Think of the good and the maturation for Northland. So here's, here's what Scripture is saying to us. We want, Paul is saying, for the churches to understand that as they work together, they are resembling God's plan. They are fulfilling God's nature. It is Jesus Himself who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but left heaven and extended himself way beyond his comfort zone, way beyond what was familiar, and sacrificed all he had. And in doing so, we were saved. Now, he says, I want you to do that. When people look at you, I want them to see that. Let me tell you one more story, and then I'll quit. And, and I've told many of you this story before, but, but it, I, I can't get at another story that, 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 really, that really illustrates it like this. What do you think the church sees? I'm sorry, the world sees when it sees the church divided. It sees just human organizations that can't get along any, any better than any other church. And I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about forming a one-world church here. Good grief, that's from the other side. I'm not talking about any organizational structure. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about cooperation. I'm talking about partnership because we, we all love Jesus and we all want to see everybody in the world love Jesus. And, I, and that's all I'm talking about, just informal partnerships. But what do you think the world would see if we really answered the prayer of Jesus when he prayed, Lord, that they might be one even as you and I are one? What do you think the world would see? Years ago, I was walking through my town on my way to football practice, and, and there was this old lady in our town, must have been four or 500 years old. She knew everybody in that town and all of their history. Mrs. Hanno was her name. Never knew her first name. Don't think she had one. And, 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 and every time I, I passed by her porch, she'd say, Joey, Joey Hunter, you come up here. I want to tell you something. Oh, I didn't want to go up and talk to her. Young people aren't interested in their family history. But I'd go up and I'd sit down. Because back in that day, you respected your elders and you listened till they were done. And so she'd tell me about some great Aunt Mabel something or other and Matilda was the second cousin of so-and-so. And, you know, it's like, it's like reading the generations in the Bible. It just wasn't there, you know. Well, I had had a problem in my life. 
I had lost my daddy when I was four years old to cancer. And I, and I couldn't really remember him. My, my mother always talked about my father. She was always crazy nuts in love with that man. He was her hero. And he t- she told me stories about him. And I grew up just wanting to be like my dad. And one day I was passing by that porch and Mrs. Hanno said, Joey, Joey Hunter, you come up here right now, boy. And I went up. Oh, I didn't want to. I sat down. I listened. She looked at me. She said, honey, I'm not going to tell you a long story today. I know you don't like those. But I want to tell you something. She said, I knew your daddy. I knew Bill from the time he was a little boy. And I cannot look at you. The way you walk. The way you move. The expressions on your face. I cannot look at you without thinking of your daddy. You remind me so much of him. I cannot tell you what happened in my heart that day. Church, what would it be like for the world to look at us and say, I cannot look at you without thinking of Jesus Christ. You love like he loved. You reach out like he reached out. You go beyond yourself like he went beyond himself. I cannot look at you without thinking about Jesus Christ. Today, today, we take a giant step in surrounding our Father's throne. Tomorrow, we take a giant step in reaching out for our brothers. Pray with me, and then a choir is going to lead us. Lord, thank you for this great opportunity. This is the first time we know this has ever been done in the history of the church. And we are grateful, not because it makes history, but because it joins family. That's the important thing. Because we are doing as you have pronounced. And Lord, thank you for letting us walk in the ways of Jesus and letting us surround your throne with people who represent every tongue and every tribe and every nation under heaven. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.